Hi there, it's Vic Francis here from Shaw Vineyard Church. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today for our latest Fano podcast. All of September at church, we're going to be looking at aspects of celebrating family and in its biggest sense, just what Fano is. So we hope you'll join us week by week. And if you miss one, you can catch up either on this podcast or on our website, svc.org.nz. Right now, though, here is the latest of our series, and I do hope you'll enjoy it. Father, I want to thank you for the power of story and for the message and for the, 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 um, the things that you have put onto Waka's heart and for the position you have put her in um, and the, the platforms you are, you are giving her to share and to explore new opportunities and to, and to break new ground uh, and, to, and to, to bring to the forefront um, a new way of perceiving and engaging and living in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would do a good work in us this evening. Amen. Thank you. Aka ngutu atu ki ngā wai tuku ngā kiri ki o nairo, ki ure nui ki te wai o mihirau. Ako kaitangata me kiko te ati nui a paparangi, ko ngāti mutunga te hononga hā kua kua. Ko ruape u ko taranaki ngā pauherenga, ko te wakarua pauname me cloud tōku ingoa. Ano reira hoki whakapapa ki ngā pakahiwi e tōnei tēnā rātātou. Sāp. <laughs> um, I said this morning, did anyone recognise, don't, you can't answer if you're here this morning, what uh, whereabouts I'm from, can anyone work that out? Taranaki and Whanganui, yep, so my dad hails from a small place up the Whanganui River called Jerusalem, not in Israel, um, and my mum comes from a small town in Taranaki called Urenui, and uh, that's where she was brought up and that's where my dad was brought up. However, they met and moved to Taranaki. So I grew up in a town called Waitara, um, predominantly Māori community. Um, I think we had one, uh, we had one Samoan, half Samoan, half Māori family. Um, I think I remember, um, yeah, probably that's in terms of multiculture. That's all that I grew up with. Um, and then as time goes by, um, nearly every shop in Waisat is owned by the Asians. And so it's amazing how over a lifetime, um, you know, the community can change. Um, however, I've, I shared this morning, um, to those of you who were here this morning, I am going to share a little bit more um, and a, a little bit of the same thing because I know that a lot of you didn't hear my story. So I want to make sure that you know me before I kind of challenge you and smash you down. No. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, my name's Te Waka, I'm also known as Wox, and as Calvin mentioned, I met him at um, Refresh. Um, so I've been in Auckland now for three years, and I'm clearly a Māori. Um, I, I might just, what I might do is I might just mix things up a bit. Um, I am one of seven. Um, I've got one older brother and one older sister, and I've got four younger brothers. Um, both of my older siblings are ten years older than me. And then um, my mum and dad met, so they've got different parents um, 
and then my mum and dad met and had uh, five of us and so I grew up with four younger brothers um, and I was my mum's only daughter and so I um, was a bit spoilt and I still am a bit spoilt and brat-like um, and I'm in a relationship at the moment with a boy and um, that is showing itself in that relationship, how brat-like I am. Um, and so I'm learning to um, just chill out a bit and um, he's teaching me a lot about myself and I pray that God gives me the wisdom around how to do that without being so brat-like. Um, I'm going to show you a video. I lost my parents um, two years apart, about um, nine, nine years ago I lost my mum. Um, Eleven years ago I lost my dad and my dad had a heart attack. He was the president of Black Power um, and so I grew up in a, commu in a community of um, gang members and I know what a community looks like um, based on that community. And I also know what it, um, what it is um, in terms of growing up in a safe uh, community of Waitara. And my mum was that typical mum who was the manager of every sports team of us kids. Um, I was a marching girl for eight years and um, we travelled New Zealand and uh, she managed every team that I was in. So she was just that mum who loved every child in our community and we can all think of those mums um, or dads um, in, in our community that we live in now. Um, so I lost my mum to cancer. Um, she, had, she had cancer for about a month before she passed away, so it was very sudden and um, it was devastating to myself in my, especially four younger brothers. Um, I was 23, my youngest brother was 13, so he'd just finished intermediate school and I had a brother at high school and two working. They were all living at home. I was living in Auckland. Um, I'd been in Auckland for seven years. Um, I moved up after school to do um, Excel, School of Performing Arts. Um, I'm a singer. And um, yeah, and so it was very sudden for my whanau. And over the time that my mum was sick, we really talked through the process of what it meant to grieve. Um, and most of you know that Māori do things very differently. Um, in terms of a funeral and so during that time we um, there were things woven and my mum was naturally sent away in a woven mat um, wrapped in like a cocoon and um, she did it she wasn't put into a box and um, she went from the house to the marae to the ground um, she wasn't embalmed and so it was this real natural process for my whanau um, during the time that she was gone so from it's been nine years um, I went through this journey of what it meant to get a muko, and I wanted to be Māori, and I wanted to symbolise, I wanted my life to symbolise something that um, had disappeared in this country um, of Aotearoa, and my mum would have wore one if she was still around today, and she had talked to the muko artist about what she, she would have worn um, on her chin, and this is what she would have had on her chin. And so everything that I am and I wear is um, a symbol of who she was. And so I'm going to show you a video of that time um, of going through. So again, seven years of chatting and talking about um, having a muko, what that represents. And I shared at lunch the last sign, because you have to have conversation in Wananga about wearing one of these, it's not just kind of, just head off to the tattoo parlour and away we go. You've got to trust the moko artist. Um, I, I didn't know what was going on my chin. You just lie down and let him go and you have to just lay there and listen and listen to the kids. 
and I had a friend come down with me and he filmed a bit of it. When he came down, he was like, oh, I'm not sure if I got any footage. I said, oh, that's all good. And we were there, so, you know, safe as. But actually, what he captured was an essence of whanau and an essence of what it means to do community well. And so we're going to watch this video, and then I'm going to talk about what this symbolizes for me as a Māori and um, just a little bit about this before we watch it. Um, this is on the land. This is done in a building on the land that my grandparents put away for us kids. Um, when, I, when I'm pushed up, um, and you'll see that rain comes through the building, like literally, it was quite an old building, comes through the roof and hits my legs, and you, could, you can imagine the spiritual moment that was going on um, in, that, in that moment, and my family were there, my friends were there, I had Pākehā, I had Māori, I had um, an American couple that had come over, I told them to come along and experience something of Aotearoa um, that not everyone gets to experience. So this is a, just a snippet of what whānau means to me, so have a look at this. That's what whānau means to me. And, and um, you know, we come every Sunday to meetings, um, sometimes kicking and screaming, and sometimes loving the fact that we get to be a part of this community that helps us to grow and, um, and be nurtured. And man, I'm so thankful that I've been brought up in a world where Māori was normal and I've grown up in a community where um, my culture was embraced, but I know that that's not the reality for most Māori in Aotearoa. And we sit in this in this space even, you know, thinking about the homeless. I'm sure the stats, I don't know the stats, but they're probably very high within a Māori community. Um, and that the, our prisons are full of Māori. And there's a big, long story that goes with that, that we don't know of. Um, and thankfully the church is waking up to what Aotearoa once was. Um, and, th and hopefully, and we hope that um, by having people like myself share about the realities of being Māori in the church, um, that we can come to a realisation that actually God's called us to more than that. God's called us to more than what, what we currently do and how does the church embrace what it means to be of Aotearoa and what does it, what, what's God calling us to do in this day and age um, as I think and as I talk more and more to organisations and churches and conferences, I share the same story and people are impacted in very different ways. And, you know, is this all worth it is my question every time. We all love stories, but is this worth it that Te Waka a Māori stands and shares a bit of her story for the church to somehow embrace what it means to be of this land? And my prayer tonight is that you would hold um, and you would listen. And I think the church is listening again. You know, I think of the national anthem um, in Bonds of Love We Meet. Well, that don't happen. And we sing it over and over again. When the Huckers performed every game from the All Blacks, we somehow, as New Zealand, are so drawn into this culture for a second. And then when something goes online about Māori, you're like, ah, bloody Marys. Do you know what I mean? So we're drawn into this world. We'll put aroha up on our walls. Yet we don't even say our street name properly. We'll wear a tiki on a T-shirt. 
But then when we come to church, we'll sing a worship song in Māori and, and shut our mouths and not even give it a go. And my prayer is that as a church community, as lovers of Jesus, we can find hope again and we can sing those words and believe them. Where it says um, pain, you know, we've, we cry for hope, we, we ask for hope, we want to hope that our deep pain in this land is, is not going to just change just, you know, just like that. It means that we've got to dig deep. We've got to dig deep into the, the hurt that this land is, is founded on. And so my, my quarter tonight is about what it means for you um, and as young people, I know there's a lot of young people in here, what does it mean for us to represent God in our communities, in our workspaces and embrace what it means to be of Aotearoa? Because my people are waiting. My people have been gracious and patient and are still waiting for New Zealand to move to a space where they can understand and feel the love of God through this act of listening. Because Māori have come, and I said it over and over again this morning, Māori have come past halfway to meet people where they are. New Zealand society, Māori have walked over this far. And now for some bizarre reason, there's this kind of movement, you hear it on TV on breakfast, where you know just a little step closer. And so what are you doing as believers of Jesus to kind of walk closer and closer and closer to Māori that maybe one day we'll, we'll see our churches full of Māori? That those guys in the prison will find that this is the community that they want to be a part of. That the homeless will find themselves in spaces that, that bring them hope and joy and love, because that's what God asks of us. God wants us to be a people that is, you know, we, again, we sing about it, so embracing of people, yet we suck at it sometimes. We try and we try. And for Māori, sometimes that's just a simple kilda. Sometimes that's um, stepping past our insecurities and going, how are you? And unfortunately, Māori have not learnt their culture or their language because it's been ripped, ripped out under them. And so guess what, New Zealand? Guess what, church? It's up to us to help them raise up again. And God is calling us to do this. And, um, and it's quite obvious, like you don't really need to look that far to see that Holy Spirit's doing something. Um, it's Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori next week. And um, I encourage you to give some Māori words a go. If you live on streets that have Māori names, if you drive through places like Taupo and Rotorua and Onihanga, to just give it a go. And I know that a lot of you aren't from here. I think I've met more South Africans um, <laughs> since I've been here. And I know that you understand the story. If you know the story of South Africa, you, you understand what I'm talking about. But you're in Aotearoa now, so what does it mean to live of this land? What does it mean to take the hurt that you've suffered in South Africa, bring it to New Zealand, and what does it mean to outwork what it means to live here?
And there's this bicultural conversation that's happening everywhere, all across the nation. And, and I know that people get angry at going, well, what about the multicultured community? Well, unfortunately, we don't do biculturalism that well. So how the hell are we going to do multiculturalism? So let's just give a, a bicultural expression or, or, or let's just give it a go at kind of working out how to do biculturalism and then who knows at work I work for Parenting Place and I remember talking to uh, Mary and Ian Grant started Parenting Place a long time ago and when I was employed at Parenting Place um, I was employed to be the Maori consultant in that organisation as well as kind of lead a few other projects and I remember sitting down talking to Mary at on Waiheke and I said, um, this is what I've been employed to do. And I remember a tear fell from her eye, and I don't know if she would even remember this, but I, and she said, we, we just didn't know how to do it. We didn't know how to have this bicultural conversation. However, they planted these seeds of thriving communities and thriving marriages and thriving families. And so now I get to follow in their footsteps and actually do that in a different way. Um, and help to lead the organisation in a different way. And so um, I've been at Parenting Place for three years now and I've watched the organisation change. I've watched staff members leave because of it, because I know that it's hard. I've watched Māori suffer because we've got Pākehā now learning more real than they are. You know, and that's hard for me when you're leading an organisation down this bicultural journey when Māori is still so far back and the, and the CEO is speaking fluent te reo now, how that must make the Māori that's sitting there feel, you know, if they're not learning this language. And so I, ha I have a struggle and a, a, a task in front of me. How do you, as you lead organisations around Māori dim, how do you also pull Māori up so they have a voice? I don't know. I don't know how to do it. You know, I know that God's called me to do this and to speak these words and to encourage and challenge people because, again, like I said, Holy Spirit is doing something in this nation and the church need to lead this conversation and the church need to lead these conversations in our workspaces and in our home groups. And we need to understand that if we don't, it's probably not going to happen. Governments tried, Māori parties out. And even then, you know, the government set up Māori seats. Okay, we're going to give you some Māori seats. Do you know how big those electorates are? When I was involved in last year's um, uh, election, I realised then that one electorate in a Māori seat was from about... I'll try to give it in Auckland language. Um, the top of the North Island down to Auckland, that was one electorate. You know, so again, the government has set us up to fail because Māori are now fighting because they're not turning up to the hui because they can't literally get there. And then you've got the other seats where they're just still, you know, they're walking distance from one end to the electorate to the other. So Māori again are set up to fail. So what are you going to do as Christians and believers of Jesus um, going to do to help heal those, heal those things? Because society still tells us that we can't do it, but we can. As Christians, we can do this.
And again, we're listening and the conversation's been had. And um, I'm so grateful that I walk in behind leaders who have paved the way for me to have these conversations. You know, probably five years ago, five years ago, this conversation wasn't had at churches. Maybe in the Anglican or the Methodist or different denominations, five years ago, this conversation wasn't had in the church. And so God's up to something. God's up to something. Um, can you just talk to the person next to you? And um, the question is, I want to know some answers. How currently, and you may not have an answer, how do you outwork the Treaty of Waitangi in your everyday life? So that's just doing something um, that doesn't require a work anything. How bizarre. It's free. It's free, you get to actually outwork the Treaty of Waitangi and what Te Ao Māori represents by just actually pronouncing and retraining, you know, retraining your brain and the words that come out of your mouth to say something differently. And often we find with the older generation, even within Māori, that they still can't pronounce something right. But you say it to a, um, a, a, you know, a young child and they get it. Straight away, they just pick it up and roll with it. And so it's up to us to actually help the next generation. Because, you know, the thing that I've realised is that I, I may not see so much of the fruit that these types of conversations produce. And I'm okay with that as long as people do something with it. And so my hope is that my kids and my grandkids actually will just be saying with their Pākehā and South African and Asian friends, the same words. And I was sharing a story this morning about friends just mispronouncing, the mum was pronouncing a word right, but the dad was mispronouncing it, and the whole community mispronounced it, so actually the one that's going to win is going to be the mispronounced word at the end of the day. And so that's how you could put the Treaty of Waitangi into action every day in your life is actually by just pronouncing words, um, maybe learning some history. You know, I'm from Waitara where the land wars started, and did you know that most of those street names in our community are of soldiers that marched on our land? Most of the street names in my community, Pratt, McLean, Craycroft, all of these names that we speak life into every day, our kids are learning these names and they're not learning the history of the names. And then when we suggest, when there's a new subdivision put in and we suggest maybe we could name it after the subtribe that lived on that land, how dare you tell us what to do? Do you know what I mean? And this is happening all over Aotearoa. You know, treaty settlements are being settled by the government and Māori are being given land back. But did you know that some of that land is at the bottom of a lake? Did you know that the land that gets given back to iwi are side of cliffs? So they may get 2% or 5% of their land back, but they can't do anything with it. Did you know that? Is that that's not told on TV? You know, those Auckland, that Auckland iwi just get money for the foreshore. Little do they know that it's actually the bottom of the sea that they're getting given back. 
You know, and so it's understanding and learning this type of, type of history so that we have a full understanding of where we stand and what we're hearing in Aotearoa. And I have so much hope, you know, as we sing these Māori songs um, in churches, you know, my heart just, just is so happy. And yes, there's words that are mispronounced and you've got a generation of Māori that have been hurt and have been so patient and gracious for so long that they're actually just angry now. And some of you may have experienced those types of things where you've got a Māori in your organisation that just corrects you every time you mispronounce something, so you've just stopped pronouncing it right. You know, there's Māori that have been hurt so much that they're not gracious anymore. But thankfully, the, the more like different generations that come through don't carry that burden. You know, they haven't been whipped for speaking te reo. My grandparents were whipped my grandparents were whipped for speaking their own language. And so these are the things that we don't know, but man, as we journey and as we sing, my prayer is that as a church and as a body of Christ, we have this hope that actually we can change this nation little by little, that, you know, in, in 10 years that um, this, this vineyard church is speaking some te reo up the front. You know, that there's more language that's been spoken and, and Māori feel comfortable in these spaces. And so my prayer and my hope is that as you hear stories like this, and, you know, I know that people will walk out of here a little bit angry, a little bit ripped off, but this is just as important, knowing our history of Aotearoa knowing our history of New Zealand so we can move forward as a nation because there's people sitting out there that want to be in this church but they don't know how to fit in. And I'm not just talking about Māori, there's all sorts of um, people that are sitting out there that need some type of hope. Um, I go to Edge Kingsland, so I love church. I have a passion for church. I'm on the Link NZ Network of Churches on the leadership team um, and I'm not a leader of a church but I'm a leader in other spaces and so I sit on that leadership team trying to grasp what it means to be a church in Aotearoa. And I was saying this morning, you know, our people have been singing scripture and song for years and years and years. You know, that as these Māori songs are sung in churches, actually they've been singing these at every marae event. You know, your classic he honore, that's been sung for years in Māori context. Te aroha e torunga mea. All these songs that, you know, the church kato are, are kind of finding out. Our people have been singing these things for years. And, you know, people say, oh, often I put a box out. If I speak at churches or conferences, I put a box out, ask a Māori a question and ask a Pākehā a question. And I get questions like, um, what do Māori think of afterlife? That's like me saying, what do Pākehā think of afterlife? You know, should I believe in those stories of whales that bring people in? Or should I believe in Goliath? You know, there's all these kind of mythical stories in the, in the Bible as well as in other cultures. And so it's understanding that it's just an, a narrative that helps you understand something of God. You know, most of the creation story is similar. I had to battle as a Maori Christian you know, I walked away from my Māori dim because I wasn't quite sure how to fit in the church. And I, was, I had some friends here this morning and my friend Jen, who's one of my best friends, she said, 
Do you know when you moved to Auckland, it wasn't until like three years later that I knew that you knew how to speak Māori? Because I didn't use Māori because I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to fit into the church. But now I'm clearly a Māori and I make sure that everybody knows that. I think like a Māori. I'm sure there's some South Africans that still find a, a few things that we do here in New Zealand a bit weird. But this is what is about. If you're whānau, you, you actually invite people in to understand your world and for you to understand their world. So if you're going to preach about things like whānau, because whānau is not family. Whānau is so much more than family. Whānau is about this collective of people coming in and being a part of something and having a mutual understanding. And so as you discuss whānau, as you, as you move forward, as you discuss whānau, what does it mean for you to bring something and the other to bring something? And so my prayer, again, is that we would understand and we would take this and we would grasp something of this and my prayer is that you would listen. Listen again. God's telling us what to do. You might just have to listen to the trees or the birds. Ah, oh, that's freaky deaky stuff. But God is, God is speaking to us. We just live in the craziness of this world and through work that actually if we stop and ask and open our hearts and minds that God's going to speak again. Can I pray before we wrap up and just ask that he does speak through birds? And I said this this morning, if, if there's stuff that you need to talk through because you're feeling unsettled about this, please come and talk to me or come and talk to the leadership team because I know, you know, some of this stuff just is a little bit strange. But God speaks. He, he uses stories like that in the Bible, that the rocks speak. And so, Lord, I pray that as we... Um, as this church unpacks what it means to be of this land and the story and this understanding of history and God in Aotearoa, that you would speak again. Lord, that you would speak through different ways or that we would stop and we would listen and we would watch with everything that we have to understand and hear and see you moving. Lord, we pray that you give, that, give us signs as we're driving to work, or conversations that kind of ignite something in us again. But Lord, I pray that as we move into to Te Wiki or Te Reo Māori, that now that we've heard, we'll see again. As we drive past these street names that we drive past every day, that there would be something in those that will speak to us. Even if we can't pronounce them, God, you will speak through them. And so, Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that as the leadership team delve into what it means to do this, which sometimes is so unknown and so challenging, but Lord, I pray that the church would encourage them to walk this journey, and it's a lonely journey often, that Holy Spirit, you would move in people and you'd bring people into the space that can help this church. So Lord, we give this to you and we trust you, Holy Spirit, that you lead in a way that's gracious and patient and teach us what it means to do this well. Teach us what it means to honour the treaty 
Teach us what it means to honour the other. Teach us what it means to do biculturalism so that other cultures can embrace this. In your precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We do hope you enjoyed it. If you would like in any way to interact with that, if you'd like to make contact with me, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is vic at sbc.org.nz. Alternatively, if you'd like to be part of our Shaw Vineyard Fano, either for a one-off or on a more regular basis, we meet at 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock every Sunday, 252 Forest Hill Road, and you get the whole church experience. Then you're able to have your kids in our children's program, your youth in our youth program, and you get worship and all of the other things that are so important as part of church. So keep in touch, uh, continue to listen if you'd like to on the podcast, uh, on our website svc.org.nz, maybe even look at some of the other things that we're doing. So God bless you, it's been our privilege to connect with you in this way.